Well, it is a, a kind providence of the Lord, I think, that as we turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, looking at verses 16 through 18, uh, that I had in my introduction this line from Blessed Assurance, the third stanza, the third line, that if I were to summarize the Thessalonian letters, I would say that it's simply living faithfully and longing for Jesus' return. Of course, that's what we sing, isn't it, with that third verse of blessed assurance. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness and lost in His love. The Apostle Paul has uh, diligently taught us what it means to be a pilgriming people. Uh, he has taught us what it means to longingly wait for Jesus' return. He has given us much practical application for our daily lives, and He has talked to us very kind of clearly and yet bluntly about the high peaks of life, the joys in life, and the sorrows and struggles and sufferings that we might have in this life as well. And yet, He has called us to do the very thing that we sung together, long and wait uh, for the Lord Jesus to come back for His people, because then all things will be made new. The joys that we experience in this life will pale in comparison to the joys that we have in heaven. Uh, and the sufferings of this life will just be little glimpses, will actually be no more, uh, for we will see everything clearly in heaven. I, I'm reminded of that old gospel song that we used to sing in the Pentecostal church. We will understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story of how we've overcome, and we'll understand it better by and by. Those sufferings and those trials that we endured faithfully, yet painfully, will all be crystal clear as we gather around the throne of heaven. That's exactly what that crystal river is representing, is symbolizing there in heaven, that everything will be made aright, everything will be made anew, and everything will be understood as we behold the majesty of our God. But of course, as, as Paul is, is applying this Scripture, these doctrines of the return of the Lord, he is encouraging in this final benediction, verses 16, 17, and 18, this faithful living despite what might come. He knows for the Thessalonians, as we'll see here in just a minute, that, that there are struggles, that there are persecutions coming from without the church, or with, you know, outside of the church, rather. And he knows that there's disunity amongst the people of God inside the church. And yet he promises, he pronounces the benediction promising these three things. And these are the three things I want you to note as we read together. He promises peace that the Lord, a Lord of peace Himself will give us peace, that the Lord will bless us with His presence. That again is in verse 16. And then in verse 18, that we might remember the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and that grace might be with us now until we reach eternity. And so we have the peace of Christ, the presence of Christ, and of course, thirdly, the grace of Christ. Now, people of God, hear the Word of God. 
Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. Well, this morning I started my sermon with a little bit of a shocking statement, and I said that facetiously, of course, because I said that the culture around us is wicked. And we all kind of know that. We all know that we're in a sin-tainted, a sin-filled world, and the world around us continuously gets more and more sinful, it seems. Well, I have another shocking statement for you tonight, is that sometimes the Christian life is difficult. That sometimes the Christian life is full of trouble. It would be ignorant of us to think that Christians, just because we are Christians, don't need the proclamation of comfort and peace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Some will say, well, if you're a Christian, you are saved from your sins. Yes, you are. If you're a Christian, you have received blessings from above that are yours from the Heavenly Father through Christ Jesus, right again. You have a sense of being unburdened by the weight of your sin. You have been freely forgiven by the blood of the Savior. And you have done nothing to deserve this. It's all been free, freely given in Christ Jesus, yes. But you know, knowing Christ, knowing that we no longer have any condemnation against us, knowing that through Christ's person and work, the The separation between us and the Heavenly Father has been removed. Yes, there's joy and there's there's gratitude, there's relief. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, there's also troubles. Not troubles because the Gospel isn't true. The Gospel is true. We saw this morning that God cannot lie. We sang even this evening that God is changeless. That He is immortal, invisible, and only wise. His providential hand is good. And yet, there are seasons in this life that we need comfort. You know, it's not hard to realize this. We could just look around the room. It was a little fuller this morning, but still, in the families that are represented here, we know that there have been different struggles. We know that there have been different trials. We know that there have been hard seasons, difficult seasons with raising children or physical ailments or marriages suffering. There there has been difficult roads for each and every one of us in different ways, different capacities. And Paul understands that the Christian life In the Christian life, we're not immune from those sufferings and we need to be reminded of the peace and the presence and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you think about all the way back at Genesis as we move through the Bible, as we move through redemptive history, we know these heroes of the faith. Maybe even the same heroes that we mentioned this morning like Moses and David and the prophet Isaiah. We, we move through those lives and those stories and we know that they had seasons of difficulty and they needed to be reminded of God's comfort and His care for His people. You think about the New Testament and the 
and the wearisomeness of the ministry of the apostles. You think about the Lord Jesus even suffering at the hands of wicked men. Suffering different emotions of the human life. And and He even prayed to have a sense of God's presence, God's comfort, God's sovereign care. And so the Apostle Paul rightly, as he finishes up this letter, he begins to pronounce, because remember the benediction is not a prayer, it's a pronouncement of God's blessing. He begins to pronounce these blessings that Christ has given His people, His peace, His presence, and His grace. And so if we look back at verse 16, as the Apostle Paul pronounces this benediction, the good word of God's blessing, now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times in every way. Now, in and of itself, this one verse could be a three-part sermon, and I, I thought about it, okay? <laughs> I thought about it, but it's been 24 weeks uh, here in, in the Thessalonian letters, and me and Pastor Don are really itching to get to Zechariah. Um, and so I decided against it. But here would be my three points. I scratched it out. I'm going to use it one day. Here would be my three points. That the Lord Himself is peace, one. What does it mean that the Lord is peace? Two, how does He give you peace? And how does He remind you or assure you of that peace in every circumstance, in every way? That would be my three-point sermon. If you want to use it, Sunday school teachers, knock yourself out. But nonetheless, the Lord Himself is peace. Maybe I'm even going to use it here as we kind of expound this first major point. That the Lord Himself is peace, therefore He is able to give you peace, and He promises us to give us peace in every way and at all times. The good news for the believer, and this is what the Apostle Paul wants the believers here at Thessalonica to understand, is that yes, he is able, and yes, he has promised to give you peace in every circumstance. Yes, even in the midst of those hard trials, in the midst of those sufferings, in the midst of those fiery temptations, he has promised that by his word and by his spirit, We are to have peace. Remember, as as Jesus promises the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, as we see the Holy Spirit being poured out in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, as we see the ministry of the apostles moving from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the very ends of the earth, it is the very Spirit of Christ that is moving about His people, moving about His elect, drawing men, women, and children unto Himself, giving the boldness to preach the comfort in trials. And it's the same Spirit, the Apostle Paul says, that gives you peace in every circumstance at all times and in every way. You see, when we think about our circumstances, if in the context of the church of Thessalonica, Paul knows that there is suffering, there's persecution being experienced by, uh, by the believers here in the Thessalonian church. He knows that that persecution will continue to increase. We actually know throughout church history uh, that some of these 
Some of these prominent members of the Thessalonian church will be martyred for the faith. He, he recognizes the, the, the pressure from without the church or from the outside of the church. He knows that there's disunity within the church. And he, he, and he fully expects for the devil to be at work. He fully expects Satan and his dominions to continue to, to cause this church to suffer. He fully expects for hard circumstances to continue to be in the path of the Thessalonian believers. And he says, peace does not come from your circumstances. Peace comes from God. How, how difficult would life be for the Christian if we were to think that comfort and peace were to be found in our circumstances? Each and every day, we, we find different sets of circumstances. Even different moments of the day, we find different sets of circumstances. Our life, day by day, is an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? It's an emotional roller coaster. We're, you know, sleepy and grumpy in the mornings for those of you who are not morning people. Some of us are real joyous in the mornings if we're morning people. So you have two totally different ideologies of the early morning hours. Uh, in the same house, that causes friction. You get to work and you're overwhelmed, but then you know something funny happens and your life's a comedy, and and then you hear about the sickness of a loved one or or some heart. I mean, you understand what I'm saying, don't you? That the circumstances of life change seemingly by the hour, and if we were to find peace in those circumstances, we would be hopeless. But the apostle Paul says, "Set your eyes upon Jesus." He is peace Himself, and He is able to, to give you peace despite your circumstances. I mean, you think about the way in which the outside pressures would, would cause the, the believers there in Thessalonica to feel the weightiness of the calling to be a Christian. You think about the disunity amongst the congregation weighing heavily on the hearts of their pastors and their elders and their leaders. Surely it seems that the Gospel is not at work. Surely it seems like the Lord has left us. Surely it seems like the Lord is not near. And yet, the Apostle Paul says very clearly that God Himself is peace, therefore He is able to give you peace no matter what the circumstance might be. And that ties directly into that second thing that he shows us. The second thing that he pronounces that this, that this Prince of Peace, this Prince of Peace that is the Lord Jesus, he promises us that he will be present with us. Look back at verse 16. As his, you know, as his arms are stretched, he has said this a number of times to the church at Thessalonica. Now he writes it. The Lord be with you all. And so the second thing that you need to see here is that not only the Lord Himself who is peace promises an experiential peace, a peace that passes all understanding, but He actually tells us that peace is only possible because the Lord is present with you. So in those darkest of valleys, in those fieriest of trials, in those hardest of circumstances, not only 
has the Lord promised you a peace and a comfort, but He promises you that He will be with you. And that's a beautiful blessing, isn't it? You think about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. You think about the way the psalmist writes of the Lord Jesus there in Psalm 23. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. And so Paul, as he is pronouncing this blessing of peace, he says that this peace is granted to you because the Prince of Peace is there with you. You know, it's a great reminder in the darkest of circumstances in this life that we are not alone, but that the Lord is with us. You know, it's, it's, it's really easy for us to be called up, yes, in our circumstances, and to think that to think that everyone has forsaken me. You know, the Apostle Paul who writes this about the Lord's presence, he felt the weight of this. If you kind of just glance over a few pages in your Bible to, to 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 16, we have what Sinclair Ferguson says, the saddest verse in all of the New Testament. The saddest verse in all of the New Testament. It says this of the Apostle Paul. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. You think about it, all the way back. We journeyed through the Acts narrative as a congregation on Sunday evenings. All the way back where Paul is arrested in Judea, he pleads and pleads to come before Caesar. There in Rome, in the capital of the Roman Empire, his heart's desire, his mission has been, let's get to Rome and let's preach the Gospel. And he has wrote about this longing. He has talked about this longing. He has carried men like Titus that we started this morning along with him through missionary journeys. And yet, when he finally gets to stand and preach the Gospel in Rome, he looks around and there's no one there. There's absolutely no one there. He says, I was there completely by myself when I stood at my first defense. When I stood at my first defense, no one came to stand by me. But look at verse 17. But the Lord stood by me. Isn't that a... I mean, that is an awesome picture of God's faithfulness and God's peace by His presence. That yes, friends... Beloved, even family might leave you, might forsake you. You might feel like you're standing alone, but the gospel message, this pronouncement of God's blessing here in 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, you are never alone in the deepest of valleys. Friends and family might desert you, but there is no Christian who is ever alone because the Lord stands by Him. And some of you, I know, because of different circumstances that I've even helped you wrestle through, you have felt the loneliness of the Christian journey. You have felt the loneliness of standing for Christ. And, and it's hard to convince you in those deepest valleys that you're not alone. But the Apostle Paul, pronouncing this blessing, says you can have peace because the Lord is there. And as He's there, 
you can experience His grace. That's in verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And so not only do we get to experience the peace from the hand of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we get to experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now before we even expound what grace is, we have to pay attention here to this 17th verse because something happens in the middle of this benediction. Most scholars say that as Paul, uh, as Paul gets these letters written, he's not writing them himself, but he's speaking them. He, he's sitting there with something like a scribe, and that scribe who is listening to Paul is writing down, scratching out every word, every jot and tittle of what he says. And what the Apostle Paul insinuates here is that at every end of the letter, he grabs the letter from the scribe and he pins the last remaining blessings to the congregation with his own hand. And so there's an emphasis, isn't there? There's an emphasis of, of seeing the man who planted our church. His handwriting is right here. And he is proclaiming that in Christ we receive grace upon grace. It's something like what Paul does with knowledge that we handled this morning in, in, in our first introductory sermon of Titus. That it's knowledge upon knowledge. It, it shows us the, the depths of what the ministry of the church is supposed to be about. Showing believers in Christ, the local church members, mature in the faith, not drinking milk any longer, but eating meat of the Gospel. It's knowledge upon knowledge. He's using that, that same Greek technique here to say it's not just grace. It's grace upon grace. The grace upon grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And so, we have peace because of Christ. We have Christ's presence always with us. And then this third and final point, we have Christ's grace here with us. You see, there can, be, there can be no peace without God's grace. There can be no peace without God's grace. Because what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of the Heavenly Father. Grace is that He does not treat us as our sins deserve, but He meets us with mercy. Grace is that He has now eradicated the separation that exists between God and man through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Grace is that He placed upon His only begotten Son at the cross your sin in full, past, present, and future. Grace is that He buried your sin in the ground with Christ and raised Him up in newness of life so that you might walk in newness of life. That's grace. And so peace cannot come without grace. Peace with God only comes through the grace that God meets us with through His Son, His own Son, who died in the place of sinners so that they might be forgiven, freed, and alive. One commentator that I was reading this past week says that this grace that Paul speaks about here is this idea that we are finally who God has made us to be. And so, of course, it draws us back to Genesis 1 and 2 where 
God creates the heavens and the earth. And He creates Adam and Eve. And He gives Adam and Eve dominion over the garden, dominion over paradise. And there they walk freely in the blessings of God. Freely in communion with God. Freely in perfect union with God. And of course, as we mentioned already in this service, sin eradicates that. Sin separates us from God. But now in Christ, We have this new sense of life. We have this new sense of freedom. We have this sense that we are, as Christians, who God has intended us to be. We have communion with Him. Yes, still hindered and tainted by sin, but communion and union nonetheless. And so as Paul says, the Lord be with you all, he is speaking of the presence of, And he's speaking of an experiential presence that you ought to feel in the deepest valleys of life. In your struggles with assurance, we cling to the promises of God and say, not only does He give me peace, but He gives me Himself. And as He meets with me, as He communes with me, He meets me with grace. He meets me not as my sins deserve, But He he meets me there, seeing me as righteous, seeing me as His son or His daughter. You know, this is what the Apostle Paul is closing this, this magnificent two letters with. We know that the Apostle Paul wrote these two letters almost back to back. There was not a long extended period of time between the two. And so it's almost as if, we can take them as if they are one huge letter to tell us how to wait for the heavens that are to come. To wait very faithfully and patiently, longing for Christ Jesus' return. To wait faithfully, be found ready, working diligently until His return. And yet, for us to know, that in this life, trials and persecutions might come. Suffering in the hands of our enemies are sure. But there is peace because of the Prince of Peace who is always with us and always meeting us with grace. Let's pray together. Father in Heaven, we do thank You for the opportunity to study uh, these two great books of our New Testament, these two letters to the church at Thessalonica. And we pray, Lord, that we would Uh, constantly be watching and waiting, looking above for our Jesus who has promised that one day soon He will return for His people. May we, Lord, be found ready. May we be found faithful on that day of the Lord in which You return. And even in our hard circumstances, as we wait, as we faithfully trod, may we always be reminded that we have a peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is always with us and not uh, meeting us as He communes with us, as our sins deserve, but He is always meeting us with unmerited favor. He is all, always meeting us with grace and mercy. And so, Lord, may we live for You out of a gospel thankfulness in all that we say and do until You return. In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen.